Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show, Horses to Follow, sponsored by 888 Sport. On the show, we will hear which Nicky Henderson horse, Andy, thinks is destined to be a staying star. I don't think we'll see any 20, 20 to 1 available after he runs at Newbury because I think he'll either win or be second to Tarmel if he goes there. Which Willie Mudden's horse, Barry Garrity, sat on, which gave him the feel of Sprinter Sacra. He is he's in the Sprinter Sacra mould. This fella, to me, just has that bit of oomph. And the speed figures for Willie Mullins' bumper horses. Champion bumpers have run somewhere around the 70 mark, speed figure-wise. The Henry de Bromhead horse that Andy thinks could be the next Manella Indo. He's a genuine star in the making. And the never-heard-before story of when Barry Garrity dropped a bomb in the Cheltenham weighing room. Dropped a bomb in the weighing room in Cheltenham. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only bomb I ever dropped in there. Delighted as ever to be joined by by three expert guests. One maybe more so than, than than in normal weeks. But we'll kick off with the man, the myth, the legend, the regular odds checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding. Andy, knowing you, I reckon you've got more than than five horses in your notebook for the uh, upcoming national hunt season. Yeah, that was always going to be a stiff task, wasn't it? Uh, with myself uh, trying to keep it down just to five. Um, I think I've got a short list of probably a dozen and. I've wheedled one or two out. I've kind of like, in in the end, my strategy was to go for five that probably are not household names yet. I could have, you know, gone with the the blind and the obvious, if you like, but I decided to chuck those out. Uh, my Drogo was one on the list. Um, he's been well talked up um, uh, through many sort of uh, early columns and, and uh, um, you know, tipsters have flagged him up as a horse to follow, perhaps for the Archon. And Dan's obviously made a really good start to the season with his... Uh, with his t- team of chasers, included that horse that won at Cheltenham the other day. So Mo Drago probably will end up being one of his stable stars towards the end of the season. But as it stands, I've gone for five. And five of them, probably three of them, I would say, are from completely left field. So let's uh, keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, also, Ed Quigley, a man who, who moved to Cheltenham purely so that he could be closer to the race course. The man who, in my head, Ed, you you go into hibernation for the flat season and as soon as the the jumpers start coming out, you you rise from the uh, from the slumber in order to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. When Royal Ascot's on and everything, I climb up on top of my house blockers and just stare at the empty <laughs> stand of the uh, of the Cheltenham uh, Presbury Park and Cheltenham Racecourse. Now, yeah, it's uh, it's this fun time here, isn't it? All the uh, all hopes and dreams are still intact at this point, aren't they? Uh, a lot of the established stars coming back to go to war again. Of course, you have the exciting, the unexposed types and the bumper crop coming through into their kind of hurdling divisions this season. Yeah, great time of the year and uh, yeah, lots to look forward to. Uh, from my kind of five, I've done a bit of a blend of a similar uh, theme uh, to Andy in the sense that you wouldn't say they're like big household names yet, but I've got a mixture of everything, kind of a, a long-term gold cut view, a couple of unexposed novices and uh, a couple of handicappers uh, as well. So uh, a bit of everything in my lineup. Interesting. So I'd consider you to be uh, to be an exciting novice, maybe Andy, an unexposed handicapper. But in Barry Garrity, 888 Sport Ambassador, we have the household name joining us here as well. Barry, great to have you here. Uh, I mean, I... Looking at your, I mean, I've, I'm lucky enough to have seen the, um, the, the lists of your guys' horses to follow. And fair to say, the household name has gone for some household names in your, in your five horses. Well, you, you said you introduced me as a household name, so I've gone for the household names. And I suppose I picked the ones, if I was writing, what would I like to write for the season? So I've gone with five that I would like. I think that they are household names, but I think there is improvement in those horses from last year to this year. So to be a, uh, no, they're, they're, they're a strong bunch. I wouldn't mind owning them or riding them. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind owning them, certainly. I think I'd be uh, you'd be more useful than I would be riding them. I can tell you that for free. Um, yeah, let's get into it then. And the way this is going to work is I'm going to come between the three of you. You've got five horses each. We're going to try and get this done in an hour or so. So we can't spend too long on them. We'll start with Andy. Uh, Andy's first one, then into Barry. Then, Ed, you'll, you'll bring up the rear with, with your five as well. Um, but let's get cracking. And, Andy, your first one. Your, your first horse to follow, a horse that we've already seen once already this season, a horse we've actually already spoken about on the Odds Checker betting show already this campaign. Is this uh, Go Dante? It is, yeah. It is, yeah. Um, I didn't know if we were going in sort of chronological order or alphabetical <laughs> order there. You, you thought you were going to throw me under a bus. Just, but... just, just, just the order you, you sent them to me, and that's... Yeah, that's sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I should have known. But yeah, Go, uh, Go Dante, he's a, he's a horse that... I, I've wanted to keep on side he, he was on the fringes of whether I should keep him in the five or not because he's already run and won um, so the cat's out of the bag to a, a small degree 
Um, but he was quite impressive, I thought, on, on his hurling debut at Bangor. Might not have been the most uh, uh, or the be- best of races he ran in, uh, but he got the job done nicely. I liked the way he jumped. He, he wasn't spectacular, but he was very careful. Um, he never looked like falling, which is always a good sign. He always kind of like got the feeling he was going to be okay uh, going from A to B. Uh, and his flat speed was obviously there to, for all to see, as we saw last year when he won that Wing Canton Bumpo in very impressive style. That was the first time that he came to my um, under my prominence courtesy of the time figure he clocked that day obviously being a time man um any horse that clocks a really big speed figure in a bumper is always uh, flashing on my um on my um uh, desk as it were and um he was due to run in the Aintree bumper but uh, discretion very much uh, you know was the best part of valor on that occasion they decided not to go probably due to the ground they put him away for this season and he strikes me as being a supreme novice horse i think he's got plenty of speed uh, Ollie was, you know, he knows what it takes to ready one for this race, doesn't he? I think Thomas Darby and Itchy Feet was second and third respectively to Classical Dream a few years back. He hasn't won it yet, but he's gone very close. And I, I, I think ability-wise, Go Dante's going to be proving a little bit better than those two. So I'll be hopeful of him going through the ranks. I think he's still a fair price for the Supreme in around the 25 to 1 mark. So uh, hopefully he'll keep improving as the season goes on. Yeah, 40 to 1 best price, Go Dante at the moment. Did you reckon Go Dante would have won without... Um... Who was it on the day? Black Poppy falling, kind of a two out, and Black Poppy was just ahead at, at, um, at Bangor? Yeah, the, the, the uh, Kerry Lee horse. Yeah, um, mm. I, I would have liked to think so. You, you certainly would have been hoping so anyway, if you're a believer that this horse could go certainly up towards grade one level. Um, you hadn't gotten through the gears at that particular point. It's a shame that the other one fell because we would have got a better guide to see how good he is. Um, and, and in the end, it was no more than just a, a jog home after the last, but... I think he'll probably raise the bar sooner rather than later. I can see him in something like the Tolworth Hurdle at Sandown, at, um, mm. you know, I think in and around just after the Christmas period. Right-handed track on softest ground would be absolutely ideal for him. So, um, and, and maybe he might have a spin at Cheltenham at some stage, but wherever Ollie takes him, he, he's a horse to keep on the right side. Yeah, that 18-length victory, maybe not telling the whole story, but go down to 40 to 1 for the Supreme, the first of Andy Holdings horses to follow. And Barry, a Supreme chance at 40 to 1 for Andy, but a Supreme winner for you, uh, your first up in your five to follow. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, he obviously was very impressive in the Supreme. And personally, through the season, I was thinking this fellow wants two and a half mile and Willie was adamant to two because he, he slightly laboured when he won in Leopardstown previous to this. Um so I thought he was a horse who wanted further, and then he absolutely destroyed the field in the Supreme. And it was a good field. It wasn't vintage, but it was good. And he, he was a procession. So for me, this fella has the opportunity to go up and trip, but he also has the, he's, he's the option to stay at two. Um, jumping, he's a big, scopey type, jumps brilliantly. I just think he's, he's, he is the novice to, to be on for the season. I know Bob Ollinger was very impressive in the Neptune, but I wouldn't mind taking on Bob Ollinger with this fella if I had to. Um, I think he's, he's he's potentially the real dealer, obviously in the right hands of Willie Mullins. I mean, he's going chasing. He's three to one uh, favourite for the Arkles, seven to one best price for the Marsh. Um, is there a chance you think that, you know, his future still lies over a, a longer than the two miles or having seen what you saw at Cheltenham, are you happy to stick to that two mile? Well, what I saw in Cheltenham surprised me because as I say, I, I thought he wanted further. But what he did in Cheltenham would say it would make him a two-miler for now. and But I think he's a horse who has stamina won't be an issue for him. Um, he has the option and time of stepping up. But to be as devastating as he was over two in the Supreme, he could be a champion chase horse in the future. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, three to one, currently best price for the Arkle. Very, very warm favourite. And uh, Ed, your first pick on this on these uh, five to follow a horse for uh, Henry de Bromhead who bounced back from a Cheltenham fall with a win at Wexford uh, a couple of weeks ago at Clat de Rear. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, Henry de Bromhead. I mean, a quick note on him. I mean, what a fantastic season he had, including the Cheltenham Festival, wasn't it? I mean, and not very often do you have the uh, champion chase winner, grand national winner, um, Gold Cup 1-2 all in the yard at the same time it was quite remarkable wasn't it your champion hurdle winner I've even said Honeysuckle as well I mean ridiculous season for Henry de Bromhead and yeah a clap de rear at the moment I say wouldn't be kind of up in anywhere near that bracket but definitely has the potential to improve and uh, 
I, I just was really, I just thought it was a case of job done at Wexford, very deep ground that day, uh, but jumped really nicely. Nice confidence booster, as you, <laughs> you, you mentioned, George, uh, was travelling nicely in the Festival Novices behind Monkfish in March before uh, capsizing. It was at length for the 12th fence, just as the race was, was heating up. Soft ground clearly plays to his strengths. He's had that nice confidence booster. And it sounds bold accounts are they're gonna they're gonna bring him over for the uh, the Labricks Trophy or the Hennessy uh, as a lot of people like to call it uh, at Newbury at the end of this month. I just think if you ever wanted to see a horse who was tailor made for three and a quarter miles on a galloping track on soft ground, it's a clap de rare. And also you look back through the profile as Barry will know uh, of, of this type of race, second season novices uh, coming into this contest in marks in the low to mid one fifties. Uh, are often the types you want to kind of get hold of before they've got exposed. And I just think, yeah, the horse is long experience, but uh, when he's completed, he's looked very good. He's going to gallop all day. Um, I've backed him for the Charlton Gold Cup. I think he will just be one of those kind of left of field. He, he's more in the kind of the synchronised Lord Windermere or Bobsworth mould than he is of like your, your Appalutard or your, you know, your Corto star in the sense that they've got two, two and a half mile speed and are moving up to staying trips. He's an old fashioned grinder, will jump and gallop and, uh, I would be shocked if, even if it's not uh, at November at the end uh, at the end of this no, uh, end of November at Newbury. I would be shocked by the end of the season if he's not substantially better than an official marker one five four. Um, so yeah, a clap the rear for all the top staying chases this season. Um, yeah, one. I think he's still thirty threes for the Gold Cup or there or thereabouts. I think there is mileage in that price. You guys got to start using odds checker more. Forty to one best price for the Gold Cup at the moment, uh, and <laughs> Eclat Durier also seven to one favourite for the Labbrooks Trophy as well, uh, which isn't by the back end of this month, isn't it? Saturday, the twenty seventh of November, seven to one fav at the moment. Uh, Barry, you, you spent the day um, with Henry de Bromhead for with eight 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 Sport recently. This isn't the only one of Henry's horses um, where, that, that is flagged up on these uh, five to follows. I'm not going to come to you every time, but did you, did you see a clout to rear? Did you, did you hear from Henry uh, how he kind of came out of that Rex race? <clears throat> yeah, no, he's very happy with him. Um, so no, he's, and, and like that, I think, as Ed mentioned, he has the right kind of profile for our race, like the Ladbrokes Trophy, coming in as a novice second season, has the right kind of rating, but his form is, on, is, is very much on heavy ground. But it's that's all he's raced on, really, with the exception of Cheltenham when he didn't complete. So it's probably unfair to judge him because he hasn't had the opportunity to show what he can do on better ground. Um, but you'd like to see Newbury on the slow side just to be ideal, to be confident. And it can that mean he it can still be good because I've seen plenty of horses over the years. I won it on three all of the lane one year and it was it was reasonably good. So it's um. You, you, you take it for granted that it's going to be soft ground at the end of November, but not always. So it, he's definitely, he's, he's the right one to be on or the right type, but I just wait and see what the ground is like on the day. Yeah, wise words there from Barry. Uh, Andy, your second pick we last saw winning the Cesarich. Yeah, um, Barry will probably be pleased that I've, I've managed to um, shoe on a, a Nicky Henderson trained horse in there. Um <laughs> Um, Buzz is very much my uh, stays hurdle, hurdle horse to follow, follow for the season. I looked at Barry's list and I was thinking, God, I'm, I'm taking on the great man because he's, he's picked two horses uh, from that uh, category. I think Time Hill and um, Florian Porter. So a little bit of um, of a head to head here. Yeah, yeah a little, <laughs> little bit of a little bit of a head to head going on here. But um, I'll be surprised if Buzz doesn't end up being, if not the best, but close to the best UK stayer. Um, I can only really see Time Hill uh, uh, as, as sort of hanging around and, and proving that he's he's right up there with the very best. Um, it was a shame, obviously, what happened to Time Hill last year. He didn't he didn't get to to make Chelsea, which is a bit of a bit of a a shame uh, to all concerned. But um, yeah, I think Buzz is he's definitely going the, that down that route for me. He he looked really good uh, when he won the Cesar Rich of the day. It was a tremendous bit of uh, training by Nicky Henderson to get him ready for that race off the back of a long absence. He'd clearly been plotted up for that race. And he needed all of his stamina to get up that day. And the, and the numbers I got for that Cesar Rich are absolutely off the scale. It was one of the best run handicaps all season. Really good horses were wa- waving the white flag two or three furlongs down. It was a very competitive uh, renewal this year. Uh, chock full of good um, three-year-olds and four-year-olds that potentially were well handicapped. And Buzz... Um, in the end, um, you know, he, he very much ca- came to the fore. He beat a horse called Burning Victory, which I know Willie Mullins thought was well handicapped, and the two of them were nicely clear. But you look at his hurdle form, and it, it strikes me as being I, I almost 
be scratching my head to think he why he was almost doing over two miles. You know, given that he, he finished fifth in the in the Betfair hurdle behind Soaring Glory at, at um, Newbury and, and plenty of other two mile races prior to that, but he definitely ran his best race behind Abracadabra in the Aintree hurdle when he was staying on strongly on the running. And obviously, Abracadabra is a very talented horse. He's proven that he can act at Grade One level, and I think we're going to see a massive improvement when he steps up in trip. One would imagine knowing Nicky will start him off in the Newbury hurdle. Whether he'll take on time, hell, I don't know. We'll get an early indication of how good he is, but. Um, I don't think we'll see any 20, 20 to 1 available after he runs at Newbury because I think he'll either win or be second to time if he goes there. And I'm hoping he comes out on top because I do think Buzzy's uh, potentially very, very good at this uh, this distance of three miles. Barry, how often do you speak to the old boss? <laughs> um, no, we do chat often. Um, and it's happened a couple of weeks ago. We actually were, we're talking about the win, but we didn't go into detail on Buzz. Um, but I would agree with Andy. The only slight concern I would have about him is he is a keen going horse. And when you're stepping up from two mile to three mile like that, and they're used to racing at a higher tempo, it can be harder to settle them. So if he goes to Newbury and that probably be his first run, he goes there a bit fresh. That's the only concern I'd have. Um, so he, he, he is the right type. He's a good staying type. He has good form. And I think he'd be better over a trip. But he, he will need to settle, and that's probably the, the key to him, especially at three miles. Yeah, so good, good point, Barry's, Barry's raised there. He, he's, he went really well throughout the Cesarewitz, and he did well to to uh, bury him in the early stages, actually, Murphy. The, the only other negative I could see with him as well, and um, I don't want to play devil's advocate on one of my own horses, is he's actually never run at Cheltenham <laughs> yet, um, which is a bit of a surprise when I look through his, his career rec- record. I mean, most of his runs have been on the flat, and he's only had eight runs over hurdles, of course. Um, so he probably hasn't had the opportunity to run at Cheltenham yet just because the, right, the races haven't come up. But he's obviously got to go and prove himself at Presbury Park at some stage. So my, my, in my head, I, I'm thinking Newbury, then the Cleve Hurdle. Mm. So that, that's the, the obvious route I'm thinking. I don't think they'll go to Ascot with him. They might do uh, for, the, for the long walk. Um, you know, he might take on all three. But I'd imagine he'll want to get some kind of Cheltenham experience into him prior, prior to the festival, Nicky. Buzz there, Andy's second pick, 20 to 1 best price for the stairs hurdle at Cheltenham as it stands. Uh, next up, Barry, we've got a horse who came second in last year's Gold Cup. We have, yes, we have Plutard. Um, he obviously ran a cracker in that. He was a good winner in Leopardson before that. Um, he is only, he's only a seven-year-old. I think there's, a, there's improvement in him. He's a grade one winner over two mile. Um Manila Indo was impressive at Cheltenham and Manila Indo's form, it seems to revolve around Cheltenham because he, he did struggle through the season and he, you know, he, he was ridden like a horse who was fit in Down Royal and was, was put in his place and you question the strength of that form with Galvin between him and Fro and um, the winner. So I'm a little bit concerned on that. But So if you were to take the Gold Cup out of it, I think Aplutard is the best three-mile chaser for Leopardstown, for Irish tracks. I know he has the option of the King George if they want, but um, I think there's improvement in him with age from last season. Um, and obviously he's a very good horse. So I'm, I'm, I'm siding with him to oppose Manila Indo through the season, but I can't say I'd oppose him come the Gold Cup, especially if it's on the slow side. Yeah, Gold Cup odds uh, currently go the way the race went last year. Manila Indo, 6-1 to one best price. Uh, Aplutard, 8-1 to one best price. So kind of tight at the top, first and second favourite, but Manila Indo just having the edge. Um, but for Barry, Aplutard, certainly the one away from Cheltenham to keep an eye on. Um, Ed, your second horse to follow is a Willie Mullins horse, who I don't think many people will know a great deal about. Yeah, um, the cliche of a dark horse, although um, there's not many of those in the <laughs> Willie Mullins uh, yard these days, is there? But yeah, Dark Raven, unbeaten, uh, two starts and two bumpers. I just thought it could be a, one of those, uh, say, less of a household name within the Mullins team who can make up it's a very useful hurdler this season. Uh, yeah, look, pretty smart on debut, it has to be said, at Leopardstown, and then went up a notch again to land the Fairy House bumper by 11 lengths. So I watched that race back again a couple of times, and the horse, on both occasions, on debut and at Fairy House, hit a bit of a flat spot uh, in the middle of the race, then came back on the bridle and powered away. Seems to have like a, 
nice eclectic blend of speed and stamina, but there is plenty of stamina in the pedigree. And uh, I, I definitely think they'll be going up in trip with this horse. And, and now he embarks over hurdles this season. Uh, Mullins has kind of uh, said something along those lines. He, he kind of sees him going into to kind of middle distance hurdle races. And I just, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. Keep it short, but sweet. If he ended up in something like the Ballymore, he's clearly got a, a serious engine on him. He's well bred. And, but we know uh, the old, as the old folklore, the legend goes, uh, I believe George, you know, Willie Mullins apparently has had, one anti-post bet in his life, and that was when he uh, backed five for three to win the Supreme. Well, it, it won the Ballymore that season. So uh, <laughs> where, where that horse will end up, I don't quite know. But um, uh, my, my gut feeling is staying trips will end up more of his bag by the end of the season. Uh, uh, whether the Albert Bartlett or that, those types of races might be too much of a grind for him. Uh, I just think he could be that, that that nice kind of middle middle ground around the two and a half mile races. And I could see him, uh, in, especially to some of those Irish races on soft ground, he could really make a splash. So yeah, Dark Raven, a little bit of a dark horse, uh, one I'm looking forward to over hurdles this season. And normally it gets earlier every year that you're told what the, the mud and top pot is in, in the Supreme. And I think it's the first year ever I haven't heard. So I've been taken off the mailing list. Uh, <laughs> uh, Andy, um, I'm going to put you on the spot slightly here, but these, you know, these kind of uh, these Irish bumpers and, and bits where you know that the form doesn't necessarily, the bear form, it's hard to work out how good it is. Do you have any numbers on the clock for, for, for Dark Raven? Um, funny enough, I do. Um, I, I did a little bit of research on Ed's behalf, actually, because I, I obviously... Very kind of you, sir. Respect you, Ed. So I took on board all the, the, the horse that you that you put up there and nominated uh, as Willie's, uh, one of his better ones for the season. His two bumper um, time figures are 61 and 53, which means absolutely nothing to you guys. You think, well, I could have just plucked numbers out of the, air, out of the air there. But basically, any bumper worth its salt would uh, that's a strongly run one would run over 60 um the champion bumpers have run somewhere around the 70 mark speed figure wise that's our speed figures anyway ratings so a 61 is fairly healthy and he achieved that last time out at, at, at punchestown as ed uh, referred to and it's interesting looking at uh, willie's potential uh, stars in in those categories this season the super and the ballymore um pink in pink uh, in the park also at one of the stall she was very impressive on the eye, but she only ran a 42. Uh, Dyser Dynamo, who I think Patrick Mullins put in Willie's column the other day. They, they did a separate interview with Patrick, and he was suggesting that horse might be a, of interest for the Supreme um, at 16 to 1. That horse ran a 53, so that's fairly healthy. And then he's got horses, obviously, like Grangie, uh, who ran a 56 when she uh, won at Punchestown. And then he's got Grange Court West and adamantly... Um, I think it's adamantly chase, is it? I think something like that. Mm. They they've run reasonably reasonably good numbers, but the best of the bunch is Edzos Dark Raven. So I'm certainly backing it up on the clock anyway. The horse he's picked passes the eye know. test, <laughs> passes the spreadsheet the test. test as well. There we go. Everyone's happy. I'm, I'm glad. It, I thought you were going to pick him apart there, which would have been awkward. Yeah. No. Not um, at all. Third up now for Andy uh, is Papa Tango Charlie, a John Joe O'Neill trained horse who uh, won by 12 lengths on his first chase start at Carlisle. And I was lucky enough to get a quick voice note from the jockey on the day, Nick Schofield. Hi guys, um, it was great to win on Papa Tango Charlie at Carlisle um, last weekend. Um, he done what we'd he hope he would do. Um, he's been he's really matured uh, lately. Um, He's been going well at home and um, the fences he's really took a liking to and um, he did everything that we expected him to do at Carlisle, but probably more. His performance, you know, on the track really, you know, gave me a good feel. He he jumped electric and um, for his first time over regulation fences, he was as good as you could get, really. And um, he stayed on well. The ground wasn't too soft up there, but he coped with everything. Um, and he sort of he's started to become the finished article now. It's it's took a while to get there. This is what he's been aiming to do. Um, I'm sure he'll get further. Um, be interested to see what the handicap does next Tuesday, where he'll go next. But um, he's, at least he's um, starting to be, fulfill his potential that he's always showed. So um, delighted to be riding him, and um, hopefully he can keep improving like he is, and we can have an exciting season ahead. But um, yeah, we couldn't fault his performance the other day. Yeah, hard to imagine Nick being any more positive uh, there on Papatango Charlie, Andy. No, that, that that's really good news. Um, the, the other good news story to come out of that race at Carlisle was the exceptionally fast time figure. 
that race at Carlisle at that um, limited handicap always seems to throw up a really good number every year. I think just because of the competitive nature, lots of horses from big yards tend to take that chance there. Um, and this year's Renault was no different. I think it was Car Philippe and, and Dreams of Hope, the, the Donna McCain fancied horse, went off really fast and they served a proper proper gallop and it sorted the wheat from the chaff at a very early stage. Some good horses were absolutely at the back of the TV um, from halfway. And the, the way this horse powered home as well from, from two out to the line, he, he looks a, a thorough stayer. Obviously, that was two and a half. I, I can't imagine he'll have any problems with three miles, which I think ultimately is his, is his goal. And I also did a, um, a bit of split screen um, uh, data work compared to Fiddle on the Roof as well on the same card, which is a great guide. You know, you've got an older horse rated in the 150s who won over the same course and distance, uh, beating a good field that day. And Papa Tanga Charlie came out the best of the two. If you did like, if you put the two up on a, on a on a comparison, and considering that John Joe's horse was eased down about 100 yards from home, it makes it even more impressive. He went into that race and rated 128. I'm not sure, as Nick said, what he's going to come out rated mm. afterwards. I'd imagine somewhere close to 140. It's a pity that they don't have that uh, novice's handicap at the Cheltenham Festival anymore, because that would probably be the ideal <laughs> race for him putting him away and perhaps giving him one more run and keeping his mark under 145. I'd imagine their hands now twisted to run him in graded races. Um, he might go something like the Dipper Chase at, at Cheltenham to see whether he's a, um, a um, you know, the, what's the grade one race now? For, for, is it the Marsh Chase, is it, for, for novices? Whether yeah. he's a Marsh Chase horse or he's an RSA horse, only time will tell. But rest assured, this horse will leave handicaps way, way behind him. I've already got the data to prove that. And, um, you know, Nick Schofield um, and Connections had a lovely win at the festival last year with Sky Pirate. And who's to say they couldn't have another one? I'm just going to say, Andy, I said, do you think they might tilt it windmills with him early? Uh, is in, I don't know, so you chalk them in 10 days' time. Is that um, the two and a half miler, isn't there? Where you probably bump into My Drogo and T Clipper and a few. Or do you think they'll. How do you play? I mean, could, could they plot their way through to the Ultima and get him in off 144, you see what I'm saying? Or do you think they might just roll the dice and say, look, if he ends up being a 160 rated chaser, we'll, we'll go all that way? I mean, it's hard to know. I'm not privy to any information, really, in that sense. Normally, it's, it's quite difficult to get um, that kind of stuff out, Nick, as well. Um, <laughs> Courtesy of the odd text I send him, he, he often plays his cards close to his chest, quite rightly, too, as well, um, with that, those kind of owners and connections. Um but reading between the lines, I think the handicapper will tell them where they go next. I mm -hmm. think they might give him one more spin. If he gets below 140, they'll think, well, we've got to just, you know, win another one, get a bit more experience into him, um, and and then send him uh, down the graded route. Um, but there's loads of options for him between two, two and a half miles. As I said, the dipper. He might even go to kick, uh, to uh, the Corto Star um, at Kempton, maybe over three miles, um, fast three miles of suiting around there. He's he's just very good. Only That's the really natural. good novices can do what he did the other day. I mean, that was an mm. exceptional run, that was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, exciting season ahead for Nick, for Andy, hopefully, and for Papa Tango Charlie, Andy's third selection. Barry, your third one. I'm, I'm glad you've picked this one because I think it's going to be one of the most interesting stories to develop over the course of the, the National Hunt season. Anergamine, who we were thought we were going to get an almighty clash between him and Shiskin at Cheltenham. It didn't happen. Hopefully it will over the course of this season. But, you know, I think we're seeing at the moment quotes of uh, five to one for, uh, for the champion chase compared to seven or four Shishkin. Do you think what we've seen so far from the two suggests that the gap in quality is that big? Um, <clears throat> I, American Minis are actually just really excites me. Um, I was very lucky to actually have a sit in them down in Willie's last Ooh. winter. And he is, he is, he's in the sprinter sacra mold. Shishkin is a very, very good horse. Don't get me wrong, um, and he's been really impressive in everything he's done. But this fella, to me, just has that bit of oomph. Um, as I say, I put him into. I'm not saying he's as good as sprinter, and he may never be. But he just has that. He's that level of class. Jumping comes really easy to him. I know Shishkin jumps brilliantly. He's very accurate. Where this fella just seems to roll at fences and he takes them in his stride, he gives them so much air. It just it happens so easy for him. Um I suppose early through, through last season, I was just wondering, is he ground dependent? Because all his form wasn't soft ground, but he put that to bed in Punchestown when he beat Janadil, who is a good yardstick. And he destroyed him on 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 good to soft ground, if you like. Um 
I think he's just very, very good. He was a little bit keen. He's a front-running sort. He has been keen, but not desperately. But I think the year is going to help him too to relax more. But for me, he just... If you if you ask me, take your pick, Shishkin or an Orgamine, albeit I'd love to have the choice and I'd love to be taking Shishkin. <laughs> but no, an Orgamine is he is to me he's he's the type of two mile chaser I'd love to put my leg over. Um, so and Bar- <laughs> go on, go on, sorry, Barry. Yeah, just a question to you. Um, it's it's difficult really to how they're going to split them, isn't it? They've obviously got Shakan Porswell as well in the stable, who at the moment he's there champion chase star in that category I mean, obviously did what he did at Punchestown not so good at Chelham obviously but do you think Willie would look to keep them apart or, or will he just roll the dice with them to say look the different owners you know let's so be we've got if they've got to take each other on they've got to take each other on and find out before Cheltenham yeah well different owners so they could very easily do that but Shaq and Prosois I don't think Cheltenham is an issue for him. For me, he didn't turn up um, at any stage in the championship. He didn't. He, he looked beaten, not beaten, but he wasn't travelling with the same enthusiasm, jump on the fort last um, that he would normally. So it, it, he was beaten before he came down the hill. So I don't think. I don't think. I think he didn't turn up more than um, it was a case of he didn't handle the track. But the years are against him, or getting towards that. So he could possibly be a Ryanair horse. That's you know that is an option for him, um, and especially if an Ergamin shapes up to do all I think he could do, it'd be a wise move to step to sidestep him. Yeah, and then then, then they bump into the mighty Alaha, of course, in the Ryan. What's the thing? Yeah, yeah, but like that, different owners as well. So, yeah, take your pick. Poor Rich Richie would have a decision to make. <laughs> Ed, Andy, who would you, you know, if you're having about now seven or four Shishkin, five to an argument for the uh, champion chase, where would you be leaning? Oh, you know, you know, you know me, I'm a sucker for an each way bet. So, yeah, <laughs> if you can get me five to one each way about an argument, yes. um, I'll, I'll take that bet all day long because the champion chase nowadays doesn't have a big field. Um, you've got a lot of. <sighs> Not, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it, there is a lot of Deadwood. There's a lot of horses that just basically turn up to try and get uh, fourth and fifth. You know, your score reals of this world. Like I said, I don't want to be disrespectful, but you could end up in a situation where you get six or seven runners. And if, you, if you've got an anti-post docket on an Ergamine at five to one, and he does what Barry thinks and we all think he might do over in Ireland, then it could be sort of like six to four, eight to two on the day, and you've got the value already up tucked away. I can't see Shiskin going massively shorter than what he is, but you can see an Ergamine very much shortening from five to mm. one. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo a lot of what Andy's saying, really, just the, the, the scope to shorten, isn't it? He's just got to come out an Ergamine early season, put in one majestic performance, which uh, makes your eyeballs pop out, and then, yeah, the uh, the prices crash, don't they? So, at the prices, yeah, Nergamine still does plenty of mileage in that price, for sure. Now the great thing about these horses to follow podcasts and videos is that we've go we go from an argument, one of the most exciting horses in training, to Ed's third selection, a horse that uh, last time he won, uh, COVID didn't even exist, third of November, two thousand nineteen. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, crikey, um, it's like a bygone era, isn't it? Yeah, that's how far back I'm going. Yeah, so a bit more of a, you'd argue, but more of an exposed type in here. But um, yeah, Dayran de Kayak for Alan King. Uh, this is a horse I've got the kind of handicapping view in mind. Uh, he was an individual who, uh, he had a pretty good novice campaign, it has to be said. Uh, the, he got injured when they decided, they basically decided to run him in the plate and not the novice handicap chase at the Cheltenham Festival that year uh, because the, because of the ground. He wants decent ground, is the bottom line. Uh, it had been very wet in the build-up to Cheltenham Festival, but it was forecast to be dry all week. So they opted for the race on the Thursday instead of going on the opening day. Uh, he made an absolute horlix of the uh, second or third fence. Basically, he came back lame on his off four, went for a scan and was never quite right since. And so that's essentially the, the key point in that it's been a little bit of a kind of... Um, a patch him up job since they've got him back on track. They ran him in a really good race at Haydock on deep ground. He didn't enjoy it. He's had a couple of spins in the summer. I mentioned handicaps at the top of the section because he is now starting to look very well treated. He's eased to a mark of one three seven. 
doesn't have all that many miles on the clock either, it's worth noting. I've, I've looked, Barry rode against this horse a couple of times uh, when he was riding Champ uh, at Newbury and in the Dipper. And essentially all the horses, they and the kayak finished in and around there are all rated, you know, got massive figures. Now, obviously Champ's rated 165. Uh, in the Dipper, he was a couple of lengths gaining behind Midnight Shadows, rated 146. Uh, you, you just start going through it. You've got um, Tom George's horse, Black Op. It's rated a peak of 152. You've got Dayanda Kayak, uh, who's in it 137 now. He's tumbled down the weights. He must have good ground. That is the key to him. And he's not really had his conditions, uh, I think it's fair to say. Really interesting. It, it sounds like Anna King's sending him straight to the Paddy Power Gold Cup uh, in, in a week's time if... Uh, the, the kind of weather plays ball. Now, obviously, on a couple of minutes of the race course, we haven't had any rain here for five days. I keep checking the weather, Matt, and there's nothing forecast for the next week at all. It's just 11, 12 degrees, blue skies. We habitually always think of the, the Paddy Power Gold Cup as pretty testing ground, you know, that, that, that type of deep November ground when the rain <coughs> really gets in. We could be thrown a little bit of a googly this year with the weather. Uh, and if we do, this is definitely a lurker in the market at 33 to one day under Kaya. He's undeniably well handicapped. He's, he's fussy. He will need his ground and he will need things to fall right. But uh, I do think off that type of rating, he's, he's far from a, a lost cause, shall we say. My, my heart has just sunk then, Ed, when you said that. Blue skies, sun out. I'm thinking in a week's time, aren't we? We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to have fences dolled off with low sun here. I can see it coming off. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in Del Mar. It's absolutely freezing and the heating's on full whack. But it is, uh, yeah. At the moment, it is dry. So um, I, I, I chatted to a couple of the officials at the uh, the course a couple of days ago, and they said if. if they were going to start the meeting tomorrow. It would be good to soft, good in places with a week of dry weather ahead. There is, uh, as, as always, a long range forecast, a kind of band of rain ish coming in for that weekend. Whether it misses or not, we don't know. But bottom line is they around the kayak uh, lines up in any kind of good ground handicap at around two and a half miles, be it at Chatham next week or uh, later on in the season. He would be uh, one I'd definitely be keeping an eye on. 28 to one, best price at the moment for the Paddy Power Gold Cup. Uh, as it stands for day and kayak but one to keep an eye on throughout the season a well handicapped horse there well justified his selection after me mocking him somewhat at the beginning uh, from ed there uh, andy on to your fourth selection mr incredible by name mr incredible by nature hopefully as well yeah i think he's named after the trainer isn't he henry de bromed he <laughs> was mr incredible wasn't he last season um i'm hoping this fellow ends up being sort of like the the, the next Manila window. Um, wow. If not this season, maybe maybe the season after. Uh, he, we've only seen him twice. Um, Irish point to pointers would have already seen him once before because he finished second in, in his point to point. But his first step on the race course came at, at Leopardstown uh, last season. It was the race, George, if you remember, I flagged up for all the odds checker listeners to keep on the right side of. Uh, it was a race that was won by Galliard de Mesnil in the end. And of course, mm. Galliard de Mesnil. Went on to win at the Dublin Racing Festival and just now he got beat by the mighty Bob Ollinger. So the form of that maiden hurdle could not have worked out any better. And it was, it was one of those races that just stood out based on, on the overall time figures and particularly sectional times as well. You, you could see that he was a grade one horse, Galliard de Mesnil. And Mr. Incredible was the only one who offered any resistance. Uh, in fact, he was the only one who, who raced up with the speed that day. Um, there was a horse, another one of Henry's called Magic Hayes, uh, two, uh, a two-mile um, mare who shot off in front of the... That he that, that kept managed to keep up with the pace, and he um, he did incredibly well to finish second. That was his first run um, under rules, which was a great one. And of course, then he went to Nice next time out. They stepped him um, um, up up in trip, and and he, he bumped. He was potentially bumping into a very nice mare called uh, Glens of Antrim, who was heavily backed, and he basically kicked her out the ground. He just just stayed on all the way up to up to, up to the line up the stiff hill there at uh, Nice. Uh, the ground was really bad, so he he looks a very um, died in the wool stayer. One would imagine that Henry will just took him straight up the fence because he looks that model. You look at him; he's big, he's scopy, rangy. He looks a typical Henry horse, and I'd imagine he'll start off somewhere, you know, maybe like Nace over in Ireland, just pop him around a you know two mile one. He usually starts his good horses over two mile one at, at, at one of those Nace or Navin meetings, and then he'll gradually work him through the ranks. Whether he'll end up being an RSA horse this season, I don't really know. Usually goes to a seven-year-old, doesn't the RSA? I think Don Polly's mm. the last six-year-old that won it, and he'll be, he'll be a six-year-old next season. But uh, whatever happens, I think we're going to be hearing big things uh, about Mr. Incredible, if not this year, but maybe the year after. 
he's uh, he's he's a, he's a genuine star in the making. Star in the making, one to keep an eye on long term, possibly as well. Uh, not just this season, there from Andy, Mister Incredible for Henry de Bromhead. Uh, Barry, you've got a couple now. Andy's already teased them. I think he went a bit further. He he mm-hmm. kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit here. But uh, let's start with last year's uh, stayers winner, Florian Porter. Yeah, Florian Porter. So he, he won the stairs hurdle um, last season as a six-year-old. Um, very free-going going type. Um, so he's going to improve for the year. He's going to relax better. Um, now he has to go left-handed. and He, he showed that punch stand when he tried to run off the track and, and threw away. The, the stairs hurdle at Puncheston. So it's not an option to go right-handed. Um, and I'm sure the lesson will be learned from that visit to Puncheston. But what he did through last season and the heights he came from, he came from very low beginning and he won he won good handicaps and he stepped into great company at Leopardstown and he annihilated a good field um, and then backed that form up at Cheltenham. So at his age, as a six-year-old, he is still open to improvement, but he's also going to, his racing style will improve. So I think he is he's the one to be on. He's the horse for the stairs division. Um, but I don't see anything getting near him in Ireland um, throughout the season. I think he's, he has all of those races, with the exception of Punchestown, I think are all at his mercy. What, what about classical dream, Barry? You must have been impressed with him when he won at Punchestown. Obviously, that was his, very much his day, wasn't it? And, and Floyd Porter wasn't his way. You know, he's, he wanted to go the other way around. Um, what, what do you make of the classical dream? Do you think that was a... A little bit of a flash in the pan, and can we rely on him again this season? I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure. I'm sure the two will clash at some stage. Yeah, but he's he's missed time. Um, I think he was trained for the day, um, and and punched them like that. It's it's nearly in May. It's you you have a horse coming in like that fresh, who's taken on horses who've been around the block all season. You can get a little bit of a, a false read with a with a performance. Um, so classical dream. I would respect him, but. He's had his issues. He's had his time off. I think Florian Porter, as I say, a six-year-old turning seven, he's a horse with massive potential. Um, and his style of racing, that's going to improve. I, I don't see him going right-handed. But he won't be as, as keen going. He won't be burning the candle at both ends as much as he would have done. Um, but the performance he put in at Leopardson, um before Cheltenham was that was unbelievable, and then he went went and did what he did at Cheltenham. So no, I think he's 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 a top class horse who's open to improvement. Yeah, Florian Porter there ten to one to repeat the trick next year and win the stayers again. Uh, current price is ten to one, best price for Gavin Cromwell. Ed, uh, your next one, another Willie Mullins hot pot, and we'll come to Andy afterwards. He's done the homework for you that normally costs people <laughs> thousands of pounds, and you're getting it for free. Well, it might be getting, might be costing me thousand pounds if I uh, back this horse, and uh, it turns out being no good. But yeah, Jungle Boogie, uh, unbeaten for Willie Mullins. This horse has had all sorts of issues, uh, according to his handler. Very hard horse to uh, keep sound, but he's my kind of joker in the pack, if you like, out of the five I picked. Did he? He won his bumper in Clonmel, and then I mean, it was just, I mean, it was nonchalant, wasn't it? I mean, was he two, he was sevens on or something ridiculous? Uh, next time out, but in, in a in a maiden hurdle over two and a half miles at Punchdown, he won by distance. He won hard how on the whole, he jumped really well. He clattered the the third last, which can do a novice some good. Kind of sharpened him up a bit. He was definitely a lot straighter at the next hurdle after that. It has to be said. And uh, yeah, he's just a really interesting type. I, I was listening to what Willie Mullins said. He said, "Look, they've had a long talk connections. He's seven rising eight. He, he's he's an old horse, one so inexperienced. And I think they're going to tilt at windmills a little bit with him. Uh, he said he wouldn't surprise him by the end of the season. They end up throwing him in the staying hurdle division uh, along with the likes of Floor Importers and Time Hills of this world because they've kind of got a little bit of a race against time uh, with him. But he's clearly got some engine. I mean, he's got a he's got a decent cruising speed. He he, he goes off. He gallops. He wears. He, I think he's a little bit hard on himself. Is the bottom line. He probably over races to some extent. But if they can keep him sound in one piece. Uh, I just think he could be the type of horse who springs a bit of a surprise and causes an upset because he's totally unexposed. He's had one start of a hurdles, one by half the track hard held. And uh, they've discussed, they've ummed and ahed whether they go chasing with him. And I think uh, similar, perhaps in the same boat as Classical Dream, who's a horse they've found it very hard and have had to keep him wrapped in cotton ball. Uh, it always just in the back of your mind, they send him chasing. Uh, that's a kind of a never uh, asking more demands of a horse who can be traditionally a little bit fragile as well. So yeah, Jungle Boogie, 
totally kind of left the field one, unbeaten, one, one absolute garbage uh, maiden hurdle by half the track. And um, it sounds like they're going to have a bit of fun with him, as I said, at the age of seven, rising eight. And they'll they'll throw him in some real fancy races and see where they go with him. And I uh, said he, he wouldn't shock me if he ended up causing a little bit of an upset in one of them. One by half the track, Andy, in a garbage race, says Ed. Well, any, anything you can glean for us? Yeah, his two time figures, unfortunately, haven't been any any good. But that's indicative of probably the, the manner that he that he won and the opposition he took on rather than anything else. He's just a difficult horse to get a gauge on. He ran to a forty six time figure first time up, and then he ran to a thirty four punches down, which is, you know, they're almost in reverse doing a, a time like that. So, yeah, he's got to go a long way to scale the heights that Ed's hoping for. Certainly based on the clock at the moment, but you know, it's early days yet. Let's see what he can do in a very good race. You win some, you lose some, Ed. I mean, we'll, t- we'll, t- we'll take the first one up and then hopefully, as you say, Joker in the pack there for Jungle Boogie, fingers crossed, uh, for a big season. Uh, on to the last three picks uh, of the five to follows. And Andy, I must say, I got excited when I, when I did my research on this one. Champion Green, form figures of, of third, fifth and third uh, in his first three starts before winning fourth time of asking. Official rating of 90, uh, owned by JP McManus. Tell us what you've seen. Yeah, I can say it was a spin of the coin, really, whether I, whether I kept this one to myself and, and, and didn't put it out there um, or just go for the obvious one, My Drogo, because I do think My Drogo will be um, vying for top honours in the two-mile um, novice chase division this season. Um, but I, I decided to chuck Champion Green in, who's, I think, available to back, is it 50-1 to 1 currently, I think, with, with some firms. I'm kind of like um, trying to second-guess what, what Joseph and, and Connections are thinking here, but... They've got a whole host of potential horses they could run in the three-year-old stroke, four-year-old division um, throughout the course of the season. But I always take a, an extra second look when you see J, the, the JP colours on one that's got quite a bit of decent flat form, similar to the likes of Ivan Gorbachev, who won the triumph for, for Joseph and, and JP a few years back. And, of course, the ill-fated Sererik, who would have probably mm. won had he not um, uh, suffered a... a, a a life-threatening injury um, um, at, in the trial took a couple of years back. And, and this fella comes out of a very, very hot maiden back in 2020 when he, he caught the eye massively that, that, that day. Um, it was a race that was won by Arturo Toscanini, but you got group horses in that race, such as Earl's Wood. I think um, Salamarak was in that race as well. And this fella was nudged out to finish a never near a fifth that day from a bad draw. So I wanted to follow his career throughout he had a nice little sight of first time at Galway from a bad draw on good ground, which didn't really suit him. But again, he ran on really well. And the only time he's he's had a proper test when they went a good gallop was at Punchestown when we last saw him back in September. And the form of that race has worked out really well. The time figure was quite healthy, but the second horse has won, horse called Plume Noir. Uh, the third horse, funny enough, of Jason O'Brien's won a main hurdle at um, Ferry House the other day. That horse got beat eight lengths, a, a filly that um, shanked quite well also. And the fifth and the fourth horse has won a horse of Sheila Lavery's. So straight away, that form of that um, Punchestone race is working out really well. And I did notice uh, that Joseph mentioned this horse as a possible juvenile hurdler in, in one of the um, stable tours that he did the other day. So putting all the pieces together, good horse off the flat, wants a bit of giving the ground. Looks at, looks as though he's going to improve the further, further he goes. He hasn't had a distance of ground to run over yet, but he was very strong at the finish over a mile and one at uh, Punchestown. So he does fit the criteria that I like to look for for a juvenile mm. hurdle. And if he goes the way I think he, he'll go, and I, I'd imagine that the that Joseph will probably run him in uh, early doors in in that December that December meeting at um, Leopardstown. I think I think that I think there's a couple of juvenile hurdlers that uh, that that usually throw up a nice horse. Um, he could well be a big triumphal contender um, towards the back end of next season. So, I think he's fifty to one, isn't he at the moment? Yeah, yeah, fifty to one for the triumph. Fifty to one, yeah. There we go. Let's go for the big bucks. One there for the triumph. Champion Green for Joseph O'Brien for Andy Holding. Fifty to one for the triumph. One to keep an eye on with some decent flat form, as I say, uh, an official rating of 90 on the flat. Barry, you, you've spoken to us about the best stayer uh, over in Ireland. Now time for presumably the best stayer on, on this side of the Irish Sea in Time Hill. Yeah, Time Hill. And maybe he could prove himself to be the best stayer in France on Saturday. He goes for mm. the Grand Prix uh, the Autumn. I won't say my French is perfect there. <laughs> yeah, he, goes, he goes to uh, Atai on Saturday. 
for a 350 grand three miler. So that'll be interesting to see now. But he will be taking on the French horses who've been racing all season on his first run. So Philip will need to have him definitely on his A game. So he could be vulnerable on Saturday. Um, but yeah, Paisley Park is probably dropping off where he was. Um, I did have a question mark about him in Weatherby, just with the, t- the trip round there being an easy track, the ground being on the better side. I thought Asuka played to strengths and soft ground when he beat Time Hill. Um, but Time Hill, I thought, probably travelled a bit too well in that Asuka race. Um, and I think with age, he's going to relax better. He's going to see it out better. Um, so for me, Time Hill is the best there in England. So I think with maybe the exception of Buzz coming into the picture, <laughs> I think Time Hill is going to be the one to beat. Um, <laughs> And for me, he's, yeah, Roxana was close with him in, in entry and she wasn't far off to Manascot either. But I think he's going to hold that form. I don't see her reversing it. And I don't see, with the, say, the exception of maybe Buzz getting in the picture, I don't see much else going to trouble him. But if you gave me my choice at the minute between him and Florian Porter, as I mentioned earlier, I'd be with Florian Porter. But I think Time Hill could have it to himself with the exception of that. I'm I mean, very that, much looking what, forward to seeing those three coming home, one, two, three, uh, in March next year. Andy? I mean, that's what makes that um, <clears> betting <throat> um, proposition on Buzz look so appetising at the moment. Because Tom Hill sets the standard, as Barry's already alluded to, over in this country. He's, he's, a, he's a five to one favourite for the, for the stayers. But then you've got a whole raft of horses which, A, might not run, unlikely to run. And, and and the others are training on. You've got Classical Dream, Flooring Porter. They, they talked about Galapan de, de Champ, but I presume he goes over fences. Sir de Burley, we know what we're, where we are with him. I mean, I've, I've literally <laughs> bought the T-shirt with him for the last two seasons. And then you've got horses quoted like Champ and Latest Exhibition. And, uh, and even Bob Ollinger has been thrown into the mix. So there isn't a great deal of strength in depth, certainly over here. You'd imagine that Buzz and, and, and Time Hill are going to be the main two. That's the way I see it. And if Florian Porter's the one that comes through from Ireland, then so be it. But I think Barry's outlined the best two either side of the RST as it stands in, in that category. But like I say, there's, there's, there's going to be a, a joker in the pack and I think it is going to be Buzz. Just going to say, George, I was listening to connections just to pick up on the kind of staying hurdle division as a whole because mm. uh, obviously Time Hill goes over to France. It sounds they're going to then give him time off, skip Newbury and go to Ascot. Whereas Paisley Park is going to head to Newbury, uh, where it'll probably bump into Buzz, and then might skip Ascot and go to the Cleve Hurdle. So uh, I think, yeah, we'll we'll kind of get them all in different dribs and drabs throughout the season, and then uh, obviously they'll probably all meet it, it, it come March. But uh, yeah, Buzz is the well, he is the Buzz horse from this show, and he definitely um, <laughs> uh, might have to pay a bit more attention to him now. But um, yeah, it, I mean, if he if he turns over an ageing Paisley Park. Uh, at, a, at a Newbury, then as you say, uh, in a in a division where <clears throat> Andy is right, you go through it. There's not a lot of kind of stuff jumping out the woodwork. You know, there's not your obvious kind of candidate. A lot of the Albert Bartlett crop are all going over fences. So um, yeah, it, interesting times, interesting times, and just hope they all stay in one piece. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. We get one of the we get the stairs hurdle winner in there somewhere, even if it's not the one, two, three. Uh, Last, but by no means least, Ed, your final selection uh, for, for a trainer in Ben Pauling, who, who I think everyone involved in racing would be delighted if he could have a good season. Well, it's funny, um, Andy mentioned Sire de Burley. I, I vividly remember him putting him up on this. Uh, we, we did this show a year ago to the day, actually. And um, yeah, Sire de Burley was, I, I was waiting for the picture to go behind you there, Andy. You said you were going to get him uh, get him framed. Um, uh, but uh, I actually put a horse up. This is a horse I put up 12 months ago, your darling for Ben Pauling. And on the show at the time, I think my exact words were, he's, um, uh, I said to Ben Pauling, I said, he's the best Christmas present you're ever going to get being given a mark of 116. Well, um, he ended up having a setback about three days after I told him that and said that on this show. So uh, no doubt Ben thinks I'm uh, absolutely cursed the horse since then. But uh, I, I, I wasn't wrong in the sense he's been unbeaten since he had the wind operation. He had five months off the track. He won a handicap hurdle on handicap debut in May at Huntingdon. That was just a case of getting him back on the track and getting everything working again. And then um, at the same venue uh, last month, uh, if you saw it, his chase debut, uh, he absolutely, he jumped and he cruised and he travelled and he really looked the part uh, on chase debut on that occasion, albeit, yeah, at a lowly level. But uh, I see he shot up to mark a 127 from that. He's in entry at the weekend in a much better race, but 
I just think, you know, looks can be deceiving. You've only got to look at my face for radio. But, I mean, this this horse really is the most um, stunning looker. I mean, he absolutely looks the part. He will be a proper three-miler in time. Uh, we, we talked earlier on the show with um, John Joe's horse and perhaps the old novice handicap chase at the festival would have been the race for him. Funny enough, I think in regards to your darling, that would have been the, the type of race in the past they would have targeted. But uh, I just think, yeah, he's still a well-handicapped individual, loads of scope, bolted up on chase debut. I, I, always, I always go by the view, um, George and, and gents, that... I always think you can you can teach a horse to jump. You can't teach a horse to have an engine. And um, what what I looked at was there was, I mean, he's clearly got the engine there. That's never been in doubt. He's had the wind operation. And I was I kind of thought, well, first time over fences. This is a big field. You know, this is a horse who's been fragile, had a couple of setbacks, but he really just took to it with a plomb. I looked at natural and uh, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I think he's around the nine to four favourite to win the handicap at entry on Saturday. And uh, then he'd shoot up if he did win that into the kind of Papo Tango Charlie range of the high 130s, 140. I think they've got a similar kind of profile and the fact they were both kind of biding time, uh, uh, if, if you see what I'm saying, until they, they met a big obstacle. But um, yeah, uh, he was sourced by uh, Henrietta Knight and he, he's, he's a, a lovely opposing type. And uh, yeah, you won't see a better looker in the paddock than your darling. And uh, he, the results are starting to deliver on the race course which is the main thing so yeah one for the handicap ranks uh unexposed type your darling for ben Pooley. yeah the early bird catches the worm so those people listening to this early on after release uh we're recording this on thursday afternoon about five o'clock the 140 entry is the race that ed's talking about there and your darling is the current nine to four favorite so hopefully <clears throat> uh, your darling can oblige for ed just and get to us add off to that to Yes. Yes. Uh, your darling, I lined up on Flinter Sacra in his bumper in Newbury, first time out, thinking I had a shoe in. And he settled reasonably well. And I turned in thinking I'm still on a shoe in. And away went your darling. And I couldn't get past him. He is a gorgeous horse. Um, Flinter Sacra hasn't, um, with the exception of bolting up his bumper next time, hasn't franked that form. But it was a very, very strong bumper. So I would say you're, you're, you're on the money with your darling. Yeah, well, it was a very good time, and then it was a bitter blow, wasn't it, for connections? He blew out at Warwick next time out there. Is that right? I think he, I think he put. I yeah. think he was. A, I think he was a two-on shot or something like that. And he hmm. did, did, yeah. did he put? Was he pulled up the next day? Yeah, it all went wrong, and then he went to Sandown, and he was uh, uh, he was travelling all over the Adramal, the horse of Tom Lacey's yeah. that went on to win the Grade Two, and then he stopped stopped just walked up the red in. I thought, uh, I said on this last year's show, I said, there's something not right about that. Um, Nico got off and said, look, his wind's totally gone. Uh, they gave him a wind up, gave him five months off, kind of just got him back uh, at Huntingdon and he, he scraped home in that handicap hurdle, gave him, put him back out the grass, um, brought him back in, built him up. And then as I say, he looks, he's really just a tank of a horse. And um, he got the job done on Chase Stabian. And like I said, off 127, uh, I'm convinced there's a mileage in him still. I don't think they want to really traipse him round. He looks a classy. I don't think you really want to bottom him in deep winter ground. So I wouldn't be shocked if whatever he did at Aintree, um this weekend, perhaps they put him away and then come back for a spring campaign. But um, yeah, he, he's one I'd, I'd like to keep on side, definitely. Bit like all of us, I had done well for the summer. <laughs> well, <laughs> some more, some more than others, Andy. Yeah, some more than others. Some is a distant memory now, and all the better for it because it means we are at the infancy of the national hunt season. Great to get your guys' thoughts on your five to follow. Before I let you go, I'm going to come to each of you for the one horse of your five that you are the most excited about, Andy. Oh, Papa Tanga Charlie, Mister Incredible. <laughs> Mr. Incredible is the long-term project, isn't I'd it? I'd say, so. yeah, Mr. Incredible. Yeah, he's he, he's just with a guy that he's just a genius with these kind of horses. So I'm in safe hands with um, nominating him. So, yeah, Mr. Incredible out of those five. Barry? I would be torn between appreciated and an argument. But, um, no, I think I'll, I'll go with an argument. An argument, Ed? Uh, yeah, I'd be a clap de rear. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he won at Newbury and really kind of thrust himself into the Gold Cup picture. Before before we do go, though, actually, George, I want to say something I wanted to clear up with Barry. I've actually got my um, my Barry uh, Geraghty merchandise. I brought it down <laughs> off the wall. Uh, the, the 2009 champion hurdle is me blowing my trump, actually, because obviously it's in my days at the Racing Post. Um, when I said Punjab win the champion hurdle, I mean, I got heckled for that. I actually got booed out the coach and horses preview night in Tewkesbury uh, for suggested binocular would, wouldn't get up the hill. But um, yeah, one thing I wanted to uh, clarify, there's a vicious rumour that used to go around the Racing Post offices, Barry, was that 
apparently, according to a few of your weighing room colleagues, in the build-up uh, to China Festival, you were particularly grumpy, uh, to, to use the words of, of, of a couple of jockeys I won't name. Um, however, in the aftermath of Punjabi winning champion hurdle, uh, is, it, is it true or is it false? Can we clear this up now? That you uh, you got down uh, on one knee on the steps of the weighing room and uh, and proposed to uh, to Paula in the aftermath, basically along the lines of, well, if I'm not going to be happy after winning a champion hurdle, I never will be. Uh, can you dispel the myth or uh, <laughs> where are we with this? <laughs> yeah, no, I won the champion hurdle on the Tuesday and I proposed to Paula on Friday evening. I party in the weighing room every Friday evening after, and um, yeah, so I. I try, look at you want a surprise don't you so it's you know you take her to Paris you take her to Venice or somewhere fancy you know she knows what's coming up so well, I dropped the bomb in the wearer in Chatham that's the only bomb I ever dropped in there <laughs> brilliant brilliant stuff well thank you so much to Andy Holding uh, Ed Quigley and Nate Tate Sport Ambassador Barry Garrity for joining us today on the Odds Checker Betting Show the horses to follow I'm absolutely no doubt there's going to be some cracking horses to follow in there over over the course of the season make sure you stick them in your tracker make sure you download the odds checker app for the very best prices as we were discussing today place terms bookie offers free bets and andy's tips straight to the app every morning of racing plenty of racing to get through before we get to Cheltenham in march we're going to be here every week going through it as well so do subscribe to the youtube channel do subscribe to the podcast or podcast providers as well and please ensure as ever that you gamble responsibly 